You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water, Your Health, and the Planet You're Living On. Each week, the show presents you a proactive method, a proactive mental capability of making your own mind up of how important it is with your health on this earth and the ecosystem that you're living with. You know, we talk a lot about the pollution of the air and sanitation and turning the lights off and saving power and energy and and being proactive but what about your health and that's where I'm concerned is under the stress that you're under today and all of the um, exposures that you have to all of the and, and beyond your imagination you're exposed to so much and your health has had challenges and I would put stress at the top of the list and they say stress, stress can cause all of, the, all of the diseases that there are, even a common cold. Now, I'm going to teach you what that means. The power of water and your body and the planet you're living on. You're made up of 50 trillion cells. And the moment you were born and you entered in the air you breathe from that pocket of water, those 50 trillion cells became an individual dehydration for you personally. Now, I cannot express that any stronger. It is a fact. No two fingerprints alike, no two eyes alike, and no two complexions on the skin alike. You are unique, but it's your dehydration. We can kind of smile and we can say, well, I know I don't drink enough water, but I'm still doing okay. I'm still alive. Well, your ecosystem and what you do to expose yourself to other people is very important. And the amount of water you're drinking every day to be able to supply the nutrition and necessary moisture level, and moisture is only means water, it means that you must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day, more a day, within 24 hours if you don't think you're feeling good or you have a lot of stress. That's your individual ecosystem. As you affect other people and your vulnerability to them and them to you, it is vital. And as simple as it may seem, someone said to me the other day, they knew somebody who had gout, and I said, well, they're not drinking enough water. And they said, that is true. The doctor said they're not drinking enough water. If you get shingles, you're not drinking enough water. If you have allergies, you're not drinking enough water. If you have dry eye, you're not drinking enough water. It's so simple, but it is a fact. The water is that important to your life on this earth. So listen to the show each week. We will teach you some things that will remind you. We've been told a lot of doctors are listening to the show worldwide, and they are reminding themselves of some things that they have known about but now are hearing again. It's being proactive. Think ahead. Today we have an exciting show. I really look forward to this show. As you've been reading in Associated Press and around the world, that there has been something happening into our water supply system that when you dispose medications or vitamins or whatever you dispose in the water, the toilet, or whatever, it does come up later. 
maybe not in the any strength, but enough to begin to have a strength with enough into the water system as time goes by that isn't dissolving. Medications, vitamins, anything you put into it, there is something that we've got to study and learn more about and be more proactive. We have Mitch Rothholz, uh, who is the pharmacist currently serving as the chief of staff for the American Pharmaceutical Association. He's going to be our first guest today, and we're going to learn more about that disposal of those uh, 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 pharmaceutical compounds that have been found in our water. And I'm going to go into some other things with Mitch on what I believe might be another aspect of something we need to learn more about. Uh, then we have our second guest is Lark Weller with, from St. Paul, Minnesota, who is going to be uh, he's a community planner with the Mississippi National River and Recreational Area. And we'll learn more today about the Mississippi National River, uh, which is one of the biggest rivers we have in our country. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aquas, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eyes, All Natural. The benefit, because the air is so dry, you're able to just with a mist, mist your eyes once or twice a day for a supplement. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Mitch Rothhaus. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. talk about uh, our population and the population in the United States grew by 45,732 people in one week. Around the world it grew 1,523,548 people. The earth is growing, the planet is growing and water is vital. Mitch, are you with us? Uh, Yes, Sharon, I am. Um, You know the show, Mitch, is about water and uh, as strange as it may seem, I've been straight, uh, studying it for 30 years, and I was one of the more proactive people on the planet who believed that there was more to it than just drinking it. What can we learn more about it? And that moisture means water. It doesn't mean cream, oils, or gels. Um, you have been uh, the American Pharmaceutical Association Chief of Staff, and explain that to us, and then we'll get into what we, uh, as a guest today, what we wanted to have as our topic uh, but tell us what uh, the American Pharmaceutical Association Chief of Staff is, position is. Okay, Sharon. Um, as you had said earlier in my introduction, I am a pharmacist, and uh, the organization that I work with is the American Pharmacists Association. Uh, we represent the 63,000 members uh, composed of uh, pharmacists practicing in all different practice settings, uh, scientists, and uh, student pharmacists uh, who serve patients. Uh, we um, do a combination of education, advocacy, research, uh, and publications. Uh-huh. Uh, and what we have done in this program that I'll talk about uh, in my comments 
is uh, we partnered with uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife and uh, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America uh, to, to work on a public awareness campaign about proper medication disposal. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. In fact, I read about it, and um, it, it's not surprising, although it's something, again, that we don't think about unless somebody has brought up the subject. Um, how long have you been uh, with, that, with that group? How long have you been a pharmacist? Well, I've been a pharmacist for over 25 years, okay. um, and I've been working with, uh, for the American Pharmacists Association for almost 15 years. Okay. Now, tell us about what you've been learning and research about the pharmaceutical compounds that have been found in the ground and, and, the, and the surface and the water. Uh, what, is, what, is, what, do we, what do we need to learn about well, there's a, there's a couple of things, Sharon, that, that I think uh, your listeners need to be aware of. Um, in the studies that, or the, the report that came out in, in the um, Associated Press, um, when they looked at, uh, as, as technology has gotten better and better and we're able to pick up um, more um, smaller amounts of compounds, they've been finding not just pharmaceuticals but other entities within waters. Right. Um, but in the study, one of the things I, I want to make clear to the, to the folks who are listening, in the report that, that the AP um, released and the studies looking at the different localities and their water systems, 20 water treatment centers that were looked at, um, there were, the amount of medications that they found were in the parts per trillion. Mm-hmm. And let me give the audience a, a little perspective on what that means. Okay. Parts per trillion would be equivalent to one penny in $10 billion. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a small amount, but any amount, I think, is a concern by the public of not just pharmaceuticals, but anything in the water. I think everybody has the goal of having the purest water that they can have for themselves and for, for their, their loved ones. Now, Mitch, I'm going to add something to help you, and I'm a believer of no alarm. This is education, and this is something that we all need to be concerning of, and it's kind of like turning off your lights, leaving the room. Don't dispose of your, medical, your medications or your vitamins down the toilet and in the waterways. And the more of us that get more proactive and learn more about that, but I'm a believer, as I said when we started the show, as I started learning over 30 years ago, life on earth is, the, is your water. And the persons, each one alive, that's here on this earth living, has to depend upon fresh, healthy water. And we're trying to encourage them to drink more. Um, how do we know that that little minute isn't affecting someone? We don't know because you, you never know what the dehydration of each person really is, Mitch. Well, I mean... We don't have a little moisture meter quite yet to go in and check your dehydration when you were first born and you left the bottle, uh, the pocket of water, and then three months later we didn't check your moisture with a moisture meter. We weren't checking you, um, each person, on their moisture loss and what you might be uh, allergic to um, or addicted to, whatever it may be. We don't know, and that's all because of dehydration. Well, there's a lot of things that uh, we don't have answers for. Right. I think there's a lot more research that is needing to be done in this area right. and in, in others. I mean, uh, you know, as a pharmacist, you know, one of the, the key things that I always tell patients when they ask me, well, what do I take my medications with? Well, water is probably the best thing you could do to take your medication. It's the only, medica- it's the only method. It's the only um, way to dissolve it and get it through the body. And, You're right. But I think the, the key here to, to remember, though, I think, as you said earlier, 
is something that everybody can do to help address the environment issues. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to, to this issue in terms of medication disposal, the other thing folks need to be uh, cognizant of is to remember that the source of what's getting into the, the water system, about 1% of it is coming from people who are, are disposing of medications by flushing. Right, going to the bathroom. Right. Let's just see but a front. The majority of what, yeah. what is getting into the system is getting exactly. into the system through what people excrete. Now, the other thing, too, here, uh, Mitch, is a lot of the medical people and scientists I've had on would say, if you drink an abundant amount of water with your medications, the medications and the vitamins will work even better, number one. Number one. But number two uh, is if you're drinking a lot of water, the chances are they'll become more solvent uh, when you're flushing eliminating in the, uh, the toilet. Um, and that's, that's still be, be, be uh, you know, answered, you know, more research is needing to be done. I think one of the key things that, from a society perspective, that we all need to, to step back and have some discussions in our communities with is how much money are our communities willing to put into our water treatment systems? Mm -hmm. Because, again, as I talked about, it's not just, you know, medications that are going into that system. There are other things that are going into that system. Now, what other things do you, would you recognize? I'll figure what, what other things that people are pouring down um, their drains, cleaning solvents. Okay. Um, other, so I think all that comes into play, and the question mm -hmm. comes in is, do we have technology well enough to get all of it out, mm -hmm. or, as we're talking about, get it down to as low as, as possible? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that depends upon how much money we're willing to invest in the system. And when it comes to, to medication disposal, one of the things that came out of uh, discussion was we were seeing from fish and wildlife, they were seeing some mutation within some fish. Mm -hmm. And short-term, it wasn't a concern. It was more of a long-term um, impact. Mm -hmm. And so they started to get what can we do in different areas of the, of the society to impact what's getting into our water systems in, on, on Earth. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that people could do is not flush unused medications. But what we also have to do is take a step back and say, why are people having to get rid of their medications? Is it because they're not taking their medications according to what's been prescribed, so taking it and being compliant with that medication regimen? Mm -hmm. Is it because they're getting too much medication? So if you're on a, 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 a health care plan, that says you have to get 90-day supply and you change your regimen, you've got excess medications out there. Okay, I see where you're educating. We need to look at also why is it that people have excess medications. Mm -hmm. And then what's the most appropriate way for disposing of it? Mm -hmm. And there are several ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that we're doing a lot of research in, in, the air, in this area and more and more, more will be coming out in the next several years. Mm -hmm. But... One method was what the SmartRx Disposal Campaign has recommended in terms of um, crushing it in a plastic bag, putting mm -hmm. it with cat litter, because it's not just the environment impact that we're having, we have a concern with. It's also pets, children, teenagers getting a hold of medication inappropriately. I lost you, and you mentioned the pat, cat litter. What did you say about cat litter? Well, one of the things, one of the methods that, that the SmartRx Disposal recommends one way of, of disposing of medication instead of flushing is to actually take your medication, 
put it in a plastic bag, crush the medication, put a little water in it to help dissolve it, and add either coffee grounds or cat litter to the bag, seal the oh, bag. Oh, I see. There we go. Because I, there for a minute I almost wondered if you meant add it to the cat litter. And no, I no, wanted no, to get that clear. Yeah, we want to protect our, our, our pets. Yes. But that's one method. And then there's other methods that are being studied that in, include irradiation, incineration. But nobody has come out with what is the best way for the environment. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's trying to do programs that will mm-hmm. give people an opportunity to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, in some communities, take-back programs. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's going to impact about 1%. Now, what did you learn, Mitch, in the nursing homes and retirement homes where there's an enormous amount of medication taken by every single person? Well, and, that, and that's something that a lot of communities are, are doing some pilots on in terms of taking those medications, incinerating um, taking those medications and trying some other methods of, mm-hmm. of destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no one solution yet. Now, whether will, will there ever be one? There'll have to be a multiple of of solutions depending upon where whatever. Well, know? again, I think it comes down to what is it that society is willing to put into this? this yeah. Because you know, and, and yeah, I, yeah. the two examples that I use for what this may take is. When you look at when you get your oil changed, you get charged for that oil disposal. Yeah. When you get a new battery, there's a disposal fee for that battery. Getting rid of medications costs. But you know, Mitch, what's happening, and I'm going to be very blunt to the audience around the planet, is I'm really sorry that everybody doesn't wants to be so cheap. Uh, They don't want to pay. The price for a healthier climate, for a healthier planet. They don't even pass the fireman budget. They don't pass the police officer budget. And yet when somebody is hurt, the first thing they say is, oh, my God, where is my first responder? But they were, many of them didn't pass the budget to have the responder arrive. So here we have health issues that are becoming very obvious to us all, that means a long-term planet. One of my scientists on the, uh, said, Sharon, I said something about the word eternity, and he said there may not be the word eternity. Because are people willing to work for the word eternity to have a long-term, have the planet be here forever, Mitch? And that means we have to do all these things. That our health is our ecosystem, too. Health is vital. And education with health, I've always said way back in time, Mitch, I was president of the American Cancer Society for years, and my big issue was education about your health. Not education about the disease so much, but you being healthier, being more proactive about being a healthier person, eating right, better attitude at number one. Your attitude is critical, and your generosity to life around you means you're giving of yourself to be healthier for other people around you. What you're saying today is something we were reading in Associated Press that there is another issue here that needs to be researched, that all of these medications and all of these toxins that are going into uh, the sewage plus are in our bodies uh, and, and uh, being disposed of by however means uh, that we need to learn to be better, more proactive about how, what to do with them. 
and if people would learn more about them, uh, how to dissolve them in a, you crush them in a paper bag and you add a cat litter to it and then you, uh, dissolve, you, t- you go and, and, and t- take it to whatever disposal, wherever location. But, uh, what did you learn about, let's just say I read about flushing the toilet even. Look at all that going down the drain. Well, and, and that's part and of... That was in the article, too. I mean, that was part of what was, you know, one of the, the, the issues that we were talking about is what is it that people can do that may not have as, as a, an impact on the environment that can, can help address some of those issues. And that's what SmartRx Disposal Public Education uh, mm-hmm. Program was all about, is to give people an alternative, give people something that they can do be proactive. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and we come back. <clears throat> Tell us some of the things you're running into that are on the positive side that people are learning about, and on we'll go into the, some of the objectives and the on the negative side. Uh, Mitch, we're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back, and we're going to have you just go for it with us, so we can learn how serious this is. I I think this is a very fascinating one for all of us to do something about. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eye. It's an all-natural method to supplement because the air is dry. All you have to do is just mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Mitch, you have been a pharmacist for a long time, and you understand that. Uh, and I'll be read here what you have. What I've read on the literature is a prescription for a healthy climate. Um, medication disposal guidelines and what pharmacists need to know. Uh, have you been able to really reach out to all the pharmacists also and try to get them involved? Uh, we're, we're, we are doing a, a national campaign of trying to do outreach. We've done several uh, outreach efforts to the uh, the pharmacy profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as, or again, a partnering with local communities in their um, in their environmental agencies, uh, as well as uh, one of our, our great partners is uh, is farmer, the pharmaceutical manufacturers, because we all have right. the same concerns in terms of of what we can do uh, for our part in this, in this initiative. Mm-hmm. And I would, are you doing anything uh, in the communities with your retirement homes, nursing homes, and hospitals? Because there's for an enormous amount of of uh, education needs to be. Well, I think from, from that perspective, EPA um, is doing a lot of work and actually has some regulations mm-hmm. that were uh, out for review at the end of uh, this past year mm-hmm. uh, looking at uh, procedures for institutional uh, disposal of, okay. they called it medical waste, 
which also included uh, pharmaceuticals. Okay. Um, but again, as as uh, talked about earlier, I don't think anybody has put their finger on what's the best environmentally sound way mm-hmm. to dispose. Because people mm-hmm. say, well, burn it. Well, then you've got the air issue. Mm-hmm. But they've got systems that that um, have a, a, a keep the the pollutants in a closed system. Mm-hmm. But then that costs money. Who's going to pay for that? Right. And we're in the healthcare system. When you look at all the concern about healthcare costs, mm-hmm. this adds another layer on top of that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the questions that comes out is those who are making healthcare policy, it's great to say that somebody should get a three-month supply, but what happens if they don't finish that supply? Right. Who's going to pay that cost? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'm going to go back to Mitch, um, the doctors, when you go in to see your doctor and his prescription is prescribed, and the pharmacist. Mitch, this might be something with the pharmacist, too, of course, is to recommend drinking an enormous good amount of water for the prescription, the medication, the herbs to be a solvent. If a person doesn't drink enough water, they're not going to maybe work in the, same, the way they should anyway, Mitch, and that's just a fact. The other fact is that if they're drinking an enormous good amount of water, they're going to be able to have a solvent uh, flushing with it uh, so that if they're using the bathroom as one of the issues, then the disposal of the, of the, uh, of the compounds before, if they're not going to use them up. Um, uh, but it said in the article that it was a lot to do with the fact that people, when they flush the toilet and they're taking a lot of medications and so on, that is a big challenge right there. I don't know what you could do with that challenge, with uh, that one. Again, it comes down to, you know, I don't think, I don't think you're going to keep it out of the, the, uh, the sewer system because, again, uh, yeah. unless somebody's going to sit there and... and, and yeah, no, we don't. We know that, first, right. Um, it's not going to happen. But then on the back end is, is how sophisticated are our water treatment systems. Mm-hmm. And that's where... I don't think and we're back to money there again. Yet. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. But again, that also costs and and, and requires some uh, some more investments. Yeah, I've I've said for years since I've been studying over thirty years, Mitch, that it's so strange where we put our priorities to spend and put an investment. Uh, we don't put it in our first responders. We don't put it in the water of the planet. Um, uh, the water of the planet is the key to all health issues for the planet to be here forever and save lives, and for the planet to be here to have a life. For the planet, and then also your response to your safety and your health should be the priority to everything you do with your money. People don't. And uh, are there some other things that you wanted our listeners around the world to hear? Well, one of the other things too that that's a, a big issue out there. And I know CDC. We're working with them on some uh, some adjunct campaigns. Uh, now, which which comes, what, don't when you use initials like that, our best of our world might not know. What did you? Um, we're working with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Okay, Centers for Disease Control. Okay. Um, is on the the issue of antibiotic use, mm-hmm. and that, you know those, that was one of the uh, the elements that was that was talked about in some of the initial work from the uh, Fish and Wildlife, what they were seeing mm-hmm. um, in some of the the, um, the tests they were doing. And one of the concerns is it's an overuse of antibiotics. And it's not just from an environmental perspective, but from a, a community health perspective. As we see more and more antibiotics being used, we're seeing more and more resistant organisms and therefore cause, causing us to uh, people to get infections longer, more mm-hmm. severe, because the, the average um, 
antibiotic won't work anymore because the organism has become uh, resistant to it. So it's a double-edged sword in terms of overuse of it, and then it gets excreted into the water system exactly. and other areas. So I, I think there's a concern from that perspective. Now, of, they learned about that. Uh, that, uh, that theory came up about two, oh, well, almost three decades ago that the antibiotics overuse was becoming uh, where individuals weren't even getting the, re, uh, the results of them. Right. Because, yeah, overuse, yeah. And, and that's, a, you know, that's a concern. People, you know, when you go to the doctor and you, you, you don't need to get antibiotic every time you, you go to the doctor. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, being a pharmacist, because it is so true. People go to the doctor, and when do you go to the When does the person go to the doctor, Mitch, when you're really, really, really sick? Okay, you, you don't go beforehand. And uh, then you go in, and you're, you're begging them to prescribe something, right? Please help me with something. So the doctor writes an antibiotic that's supposed to be safe. It won't kill you. And you're walking out with maybe a uh, satisfaction with another antibiotic. And this is what's happening to our society. Don't you believe that we're always wanting to be satisfied with uh, fix it quick? Well, I think that's. I think that's. Everything you being a pharmacist, you've seen it all. It's a challenge to access the healthcare system, and once you access it, you want to come out feeling like you've gotten something from it. Yes. Yeah. Now uh, you're in Washington D.C., uh, and uh, your office then oversees all of this country with this particular type of education programs. We. we we um our we do we're a voluntary uh, professional association, mm-hmm. um, and we provide a great deal of uh, continuing education and educational materials for our members to use with their patients. Now, who funds your organization? Where do you get your funding? Uh, through our members and through um, support through grants and other activities. Okay. How do you feel about what's happened with the climate of the economy? on the whole planet, but here in the United States, to get your funding to keep up with health education. Are you going to, you feel it's going to be a challenge? Uh, I think everybody in society is challenged uh, right now. Challenged right now. Everybody's trying to maintain uh, what they have and and look at Mm -hmm. how to do things more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Do you think your organization will be able to keep up with it until uh, it kind of gets itself uh, worked through? Well, I, I think we've got a good story to tell um, in terms of the work that our members do and our organization does. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we've been articulating for several years is when you look at healthcare and you look at the role of the pharmacist, mm-hmm. um, that the pharmacist can be better utilized in the healthcare system. You know, one of the things we always like to say is the most expensive medication is one that's not used correctly. That is for sure. And I, I think when you look at healthcare costs and you look at you know investments in the healthcare system, you know we wouldn't buy a computer for someone and not give them training. Exactly. We buy some high high technology in terms of medication, and we don't make sure the patients know how to use them. Mm-hmm. We don't make sure that the patient has a coach to help them uh, achieve the outcomes that the, they and their physician have come up with. Right. Uh, pilots that show that when pharmacists work uh, with patients in in that respect in the patient care. Uh, role that um, we get very positive outcomes. Yeah, I work with. I have a medical team I've been working with for years, and a, and then I have pharmacists involved with the things we do. And and I'm going to say to the audience and to you, the pharmacist is not is overlooked for the values of, of the everyday health. Do you know that if you ever people when they hear about something new, they will go to their pharmacist and they'll ask a question and. 
the doctor will prescribe something and they'll go to the pharmacist. The pharmacist becomes a, uh, almost like a personal friend because they become a confidant of understanding and feeling confident. Uh, the pharmacist is very valuable, and I think the audience needs to understand how sincere and how committed the pharmacist is to their medical field. It's been uh-huh. overlooked. And I've said many times that we, uh, our product, Nature Sears IMS, sells in thousands and thousands of drugstore sections of, of, in the United States and around the world now. And, and when I've said something about the pharmacist, is the only medical student in, in the whole store, Mitch. Well, t- today's pharmacist actually goes through um, six years of education. Yes. They, people so, need Tell us a little bit about that so people can understand the background of a pharmacist while we have you on here. Yeah. Um, the pharmacist education is a clinically focused education. So it's not just dealing with knowing all about the the chemical structure and the, the makeup of your medications, but how it works in your system and how do you make sure that, that um, the right medication um, is utilized in a patient to treat a, a, a medical condition. So mm-hmm. today's education of a pharmacist is a very broad education mm-hmm. from the perspective of healthcare. Yeah, and I'm a lot of the things up there for you too and add to this is that the pharmacist is the chemistry student. Uh, they understand the medication by far more than anyone else might, except for the company that invented it. Well, I, ideally, that the um, the new type of way that practices is coming about is your healthcare team, the healthcare mm-hmm. team that involves your physician, mm-hmm. nurses, pharmacists. Mm-hmm. The physician is is the one who has the skill sets um, to hone in on on that diagnosis of determining the one you know, one thing that is causing a problem. Right, causing the symptom, yeah. Pharmacist is the one who could take that information and select the medication that would best serve that patient's needs Mm -hmm. and work with that patient on achieving the the therapy goal that the physician and the team established for that patient. Right. Really central to anything that happens in healthcare is really the patient. Right. They really control the outcomes. Cause we but they've have, got to ask questions. They've got to be understanding of the medication or whatever it may be. And the pharmacist is the individual that when they go to get their medication or whatever it may be uh, that's been prescribed, they need to understand it. And the pharmacist can explain that to them. Right. Pharmacist. There we go. And yes. I find, Mitch, and you are a pharmacist, do yes. you find that people take enough time to ask those questions? No. No, everybody's in a rush. Every, and there's where I'm coming from uh, and the, why this show is the ecosystem of our lives is so vital to our health and, and, and what we do to, with each other and the vulnerability to exposure to each other and around the world. And we're even finding that parasites in the water are causing death. And you could be anywhere in the world, and it might happen. It doesn't have to be just going to other parts of the globe. We're finding out that when you switch cities, there could be times that you're, you're having a vulnerability to immunity problems, to just switching cities because of climate or water, whatever it may be. When people go to the doctor and they have a symptom, like I said before, Mitch, they probably don't go until it's later. They get there and they ask for help, do something for me, do it quick, I want to go, go. Then they go to the pharmacist to get it filled, and they're not even asking enough questions. It's like a quick fix. Well, I, I think there's, there's two things. It's not that they're not asking the questions, and our healthcare system isn't aligned 
to focus on that. Right now, at least from the pharmacy perspective, everything's focused on getting the cheapest drug. Uh-huh. And I think we need to change that, that thought process to getting the most the quality drug for that patient. Right. And getting, getting the outcomes that all that research that went into that drug say it, it can produce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The technology of it. And we need to remember there are no two people alike and uh, how each medication is affecting. And the other thing before we're done, and then I'll get, let you take the last, um, tell us something that you want us to remind us of. But the other one is, is that people have to realize that when they're taking a medication, if they go home, don't blame the symptom of the problem. Maybe it could be the medication that doesn't agree with you much. They've got to be aware of watching to see if the medication agrees with them and get it back to the pharmacist ASAP in case it doesn't. Well, and I think the point is there is pick your pharmacist like you pick your physician. Somebody Thank you. you can That's talk what I'm after. And you're comfortable. Exactly. You can't exactly. talk to them, find someone who, who will talk to you. Exactly. It's important to you and your family. And make it a family uh, thing uh, where you go to your pharmacist and people in the family have get to know that person. Um, I wanted to, is there anything you'd like to leave with us today? Uh, our time is over. Is there something you'd like to leave with a message? Just be proactive. Okay. You know, take responsibility for, for your health and for the environment's health. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are things you can do to reduce the impact of, of pharmaceuticals and other elements on the environment, and we've given some tools. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants to find out more about that, they can go to smartdisposal.com, and the smartest with a S-M-A-R-X-T, disposal.com. Okay, and then if they needed to come and learn more about the pharmacist, it's www.pharmacist.com. Pharmacist single. Right. Yes. Well, uh, Mitch, you have a nice day, and I really appreciate your time and your dedication of what you're doing there because definitely um, there's a long way to go here because we just brought up a lot of things today that people are shortcoming on getting to know the value of our pharmacist and what the pharmacists are willing to learn more about the uh, disposal uh, of our um, uh, medications that are happening today and going and affecting our wildlife and our fish. Well, thank you for the invitation to speak to you today. You're welcome. And if you ever think of a subject that you wanted us to learn more about, you'd be sure and get a hold of Sarah Seal so our producer, Sarah, can uh, add some more information because this education is vital to, to our lives. Will do. You have a nice day and tell everyone we said hello. Thank you. You too. Bye. Education, education, education means that open your mind open to objectivity, to what you might learn that you may think you already know. Because today, because of television and, and everything that's available to us to listen on the radio, we think we know it all. We don't know anything. Life changes every moment. And because of the economic climate and the global climate today of what's going on, we're all confused. We're all having a stress. And be wise. Be, don't be vulnerable to the negative. Be vulnerable to yourself to look for the best in everything, and your health is vital to you. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll, our second guest is Lark Weller from St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to learn more about the Mississippi River, which is one of the biggest rivers in our country and our continent, and we're going to learn more values about what is happening to the 
national forest system, the river system, the recreational area there. This is one of our favorite parts. Well, listen to Nature Sears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye and not using an eye drop. Just supplement with just a mist. Well, listen to Nature's Mist, and we'll be right back. The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to Sharon, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water and your life on this earth, and being proactive about what you want to learn about making a better place for the earth, for you to live, and for our generations to come. Lark, are you with us? I am. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Sharon? I, I, I wanted to um, mention today is uh, I'm really excited about the, your topic on wanting to uh, learn more about the importance of the water and the quality right. uh, with the Mississippi. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you represent. Sure. Well, I know you, Sharon, spoke a couple weeks ago to our park superintendent, Paul Labovitz, about who we are as a park, and I'm with him with the Mississippi National River and Recreation Area. Mm -hmm. It's a unit of the National Park Service Mm -hmm. um, that constitutes 72 miles of the Mississippi River in the Twin Cities region of Minnesota. Um, Mm -hmm. It was established as a national park system by Congress in 1988 because of our nationally significant ecological, economic, historic, recreational, scenic, and scientific values. So we've, um, as a park, just celebrated our 20th anniversary mm-hmm. and are starting to give increased attention to water quality within our park limits as a really central issue that we want to... Now you're into the scientific value. Right, right. Now, a lot of people to... think of nature as not a scientific side of their lives, but it is. Right, exactly. Our every moment of the day. Right. Right, science is a critical piece of um, not only understanding water quality, but just sort of defining what water quality is and what what the important parameters are for it all is. Right, that's a technology that we forget to use as a thinking. It's a, we need to understand what it is all about. Right, exactly. And how long have you been with the system, park system there? I'm a relatively new employee. I've just been there since um, last summer. Uh huh. As a and part of our. Part of the park's new focus on water quality, I was brought okay. to help look at that. So you're, it's a new position? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I'm thrilled to have you then today. Yeah. Now, tell us about the importance of water quality and what you've been learning about it there, about any river. Sure. Well, as you and your listeners know, water is a really important issue. It's something that we all um, depend on every day for our health and for recreation, and we're understanding more and more that water is an interconnected system. Um, 
I think that you and Paul spoke a couple weeks ago about how the Mississippi River itself runs along 10 states in the United States. Its watershed is uh, made up of 31 states, and it drains 40% of the continental United States. So when you start to hear numbers like that, you really understand that this is really an interconnected issue. And can you imagine the amount of water in the aquifers below there? Right, right. So everything that we're doing up here in Minnesota is going to impact what people along the Mississippi River are seeing down there. For miles and miles to right. come there. Right. Right. Now, what are some of the things that you've been that are new that we would be fascinated by that you're starting to um, value, uh, evaluate? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I would say that nationally water quality has been really um, regulated um, in regards to the Clean Water Act, which was enacted in 1972. Mm -hmm. That um, sort of came out of the environmental movement when we saw things like, you know, rivers catching on fire and things like that mm -hmm. that were very obviously concerning people. So the Clean Water Act was enacted to really help the nation's waters um, move back to a, you know, standard of chemical physical and biological integrity. Mm -hmm. And the Clean Water Act specifically called on all of the country's waters to be swimmable and fishable by 1983. Mm -hmm. So that time has come and gone, and that target was not met. So mm -hmm. um, what we're starting to do is look at the Clean Water Act and how it can, what its successes have been and how it can move us forward to starting to meet that swimmable and fishable goal. And one of the ways that it has really been successful is in um, addressing pollution from what are called point sources. Mm -hmm. So those are things like, um, you know, industrial factories or a city's wastewater treatment plant, something that you can really point at and say, this is dumping something into the river that's an issue and that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So the Clean Water Act has been actually tremendously successful in addressing pollution that has come from those point sources. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing is that it hasn't been as successful in addressing pollution from non-point sources. So those are activities like urban and suburban development, mm -hmm. um, agricultural uses, mm -hmm. things that it's harder to point at you know, a specific location and say this is a problem, but cumulatively are really um, becoming an issue for water quality throughout the nation. Right. You know, uh, I stop and think about it, um, Lark. Uh, we've learned that uh, smoking a cigarette <clears throat> causes a pollution, not with just within the body, but around you. And way back in time we were talking about, I'm talking to you from Oregon, and Oregon just the new law is enforced that you cannot smoke in public buildings, bars, or anywhere anymore. Right, right. And I was a guest at Boeing not long ago, and Boeing has said no more smoking on campus. So uh, the smoking health factor is now taken serious, and they said <clears throat> that heart disease has been reduced because of that. Now we're looking at the life of Earth, life on Earth to save lives and to save Earth is water. Yeah, right. And we, we, we didn't take it serious until you say, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1972, mm -hmm. all of a sudden somebody probably wasn't too popular. And to tell you a little bit about myself, I've been studying water for so many years, mm 
Mm-hmm. And I'm as nature as they come. I don't look at it. I've climbed the mountains, swam the rapids. I swam, uh, uh, swing on the grapevines. I'm nature plus. Right. And I've said to the world for uh, so long, without water, there is no health. There's no earth. There's no, you can't fight diseases. You, you're going to be ill. That uh, Where we know future generations. And I, people looked at me, huh? And then all of a sudden now, all of us out of the clear blue sky in the last two decades, I started studying three decades ago. Mm-hmm. And that's two decades, last decade, last couple of years. People are going, oh, my gosh, uh, her value, the valuations of her research are right. Without water, you can't dissolve nothing. Without water, if it's not healthy, you, you can get a parasite. Mm-hmm. Uh, without water, how can you take a medication? Without water, how can you grow your uh, food? Would there invite something too, Lark? Without water on the surface of the earth, fresh, clean water, fresh water, there is no moisture in the air. Oxygen. It all comes right. from the water that's on the surface, not in the aquifers, on the surface. Right, just on the surface. How healthy it is. And so it, there's, no, there's no ending to how important uh, fresh, clean uh, seriously evaluated waters of the earth that are on our surface, how healthy they are. Because if you have healthy water, healthier water, you're going to have a healthier long-term planet. Right, and you had started to talk about some of the recreational uses of water and just how we understand water in terms of how we really just interact it, with it from a recreational point of view. Oh, it's, water has always been the value to our life as far as our enjoyment, our recreation, our, our uh, magnet to uh, compulsive wanting to enjoy right. uh, certain recreations and our fishermen and, and um, besides eating uh, sea, the food, the sea, eating the seafood, eating the fresh fish or uh, going out. And even real estate, if you have, if you have a puddle next right. to your dwelling or wherever it may be, you get more money for your real estate. Exactly. So people have this instinct to water. Now tell us about what you guys have been doing on the Mississippi to add some different, let's call it investing into uh, healthier waters. Sure. Well, uh, so a little bit more about our park. The, our, the, our park corridor encapsulates 52,000 acres, of mm-hmm. which we own about 50 acres. Mm-hmm. So we own very little of the land within our park corridor. So it's mm-hmm. really up to us to serve more of a coordination role. Mm-hmm. Um, there are about 25 city governments that we work with and five county governments. So we're really reaching across all the different levels of government, federal, state, and local, um, to uh, really engage these people about what the issue is with water quality and helping them to understand what the priorities that we're moving toward are. Um, Because we don't have much regulatory authority, we really come down more on the side of coordination. Um, And as we're getting into this more, we see that there is quite a lot of work happening within the water quality world within our area, but um, where it might be lacking is in putting the pieces together and connecting the different people together. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing one of our roles as helping every, you know, player A understand that player B is out there doing the same thing, but maybe Mm -hmm. just in a different section of the river. Mm -hmm. So coordination and um, sort of Providing information to all the parties is one of the important roles that we play. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that we're doing with water quality is 
um, related to the Clean Water Act, when a water body does not meet um, specified standards, it has to go through what's called a TMDL plan, and that stands for Total Maximum Daily Load, which um, that's sort of a number for each pollutant of concern that... Now let's explain that to our listeners so they really understand what you just said. Sure. So uh, let's let's re-explain uh, that again. Right. Educate so that again. It's called again TMDL, which stands for Total Maximum Daily Load. Um, now the daily load means what to you? That means that's the maximum amount of a specific pollutant that it has been identified as a concern for the water body. Okay. That's the maximum amount of that pollutant that that water body can receive and still mm -hmm. meet its established water quality mm -hmm. standards. Mm -hmm. So as a park, we are participating in the state's TMDL process, again, the total maximum daily load, mm -hmm. for bacteria within the rivers. So that's um, fecal coliform or E. coli. What is the greatest uh, source of bacteria that comes into the water today? Uh, the number one. Let's just start number one. What is the worst problem to, of bacteria? Well, it's sort of a shared um, responsibility between agricultural uses, and so that's like um, animal waste management issues um, okay. contribute to bacteria, as well as human uses like uh, maybe failed septic systems are okay. a concern for bacteria. Mm -hmm. So we're serving on the um, stakeholder committee for that TMDL process for mm -hmm. addressing bacteria pollution in the Mississippi River. So this is something that's a multi-year um, process that's going to identify what appropriate levels are and um, create a plan for um, meeting that standard and, mm -hmm. you know, um, holding different locations and uses to minimizing the number, you know, the amount of bacteria that they are contributing to the river. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened after Katrina? You must have had some real challenges. Well, I think we, we all saw Katrina was a huge issue for a number of different parties right. throughout the country. Um, I think as the National Park Service, our park was not um, very closely involved in that. I know there is a national park unit um, in the New Orleans area that I'm sure was heavily impacted by that event. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that kind of thing just shows that we are not removed from the natural cycle, and that we. No, I was going to say there would be a hydraulic cycle and atmosphere right. cycle and right and all that could. Um, I just didn't know what type of evaluations that you'd had to come to. You came to. Uh, even well, below there. Right. Uh, I'm out of time. I wish I had more. Oh, okay, uh, great. But we did learn a lot. And uh, with the Mississippi River, you've uh, now you're new, and so you have a position. I hope to get all the money you can need uh, during this economic climate problem on the planet yeah. uh, to be able to continue to do everything you need to do to have safer, quality, better water there and that supply for all those thousands and thousands of people that are there. Right. Well, I appreciate your taking your time today. You have a very special New Year, Lark. Thanks. And tell everyone we said hello and keep up that great mission you're on up over there. All right, we'll do that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Nature is our course of life. And remember, the economic climate throughout the world means nothing if you have a good attitude and confidence in the fact that we're all resilient. We live on the planet together. This is a family planet. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. And when you do, you find that Earth is whispering back to you with a whisper that 
you will never say goodbye as long as you're willing to pay forward and give back, not be selfish. There's been a new word out there called greed, that people have been taking advantage of other people by whatever means or whatever it may be. Uh, We all have our own moment to think about what has happened with the word greed. And let's look at Earth as a family of a climate here, as a world to live together. And what can we do for each other for that Earth secret? And with Earth secret, knowing that the whisper would be, give of your life and don't get say goodbye. Don't take it with you. Leave a footprint that is a value to everyone on this Earth to live together. And I think that if you learn the value of water, like I have, You'll learn you'll never look at life the same. It's all living in the water, and the oxygen is water. I want to thank our guest today. I want to thank Sarah Seals, our producer, for the guest. She is fabulous, and Bonnie Mark, her uh, co-producer, what they've done. I want to thank World Talk Radio for making this all possible. Uh, This is Sharon Kleina with The Power of Water. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening. is talking the world is talking world talk radio studio a